Welcome to the SDR Disco Call vidcast and podcast, a show designed for brand new sales reps working in the world of tech sales. I'm your host, Neil Buyan, and I'm going to be taking you on a journey on the SDR Disco Call vidcast and podcast. Did you know that you can watch this show live with the guests on YouTube? This show is available on YouTube at happyselling.io. Hello listeners, watchers, fans, subscribers, and welcome to a chapter of the SDR Disco Call Show. So what is this show all about and why have you joined and how come you've stumbled across it? Well, this show is for people that work in the world of tech sales, specifically in the world of sales development or business development. So think about prospecting and whatnot. And this show is about meeting beautiful guests from around the world that work in this profession and have been in the role relatively for a couple of years to get insights on how did they break into tech sales, you know, how have they navigated their careers to then give you insights to help you become happy sellers. And my name is Neil Buyan, the host, and I have the lovely job of interviewing these people and finding out who they are. And with this guest, they come from a company which, funny enough, was one of the first ever companies to come on this show. Uh, and that person, Ben Smith, big shout out to you, introduced me to this lovely gentleman here. Uh, so lovely, sir, could you please introduce yourself? Who are you? Yeah, thanks for having me, Neil. Uh, my name's Tom Bertrand. Tom, welcome to the SDR Disco Call Show. Tom, could you tell our listeners and watchers and subscribers where are you based in the world, where do you work, and what does that company do? Yeah, of course. So I'm based in the UK, a little small village called Chalfont St. Peter. Um, and yeah, work for a company called ReachDesk. Um, essentially what ReachDesk do, um, we're a direct mail gifting platform. So we help sales and marketers surprise and delight their key prospects, customers, um, by essentially sending something physical um, to their desk or at the doorstep, um, and to help generate leads, increase sales cycles, uh, sorry, decrease sales cycles and, uh, will be able to be tracked from your CRM. Love it. So Tom, that was a perfect elevator pitch and couldn't have done better myself. So thank you very much for sharing that. Ben will be happy. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed he will. Indeed he will. Um, so Tom, like, uh, outside of sales, like what, what things do you like to get up to? What, what interests you and what floats your boat? Yeah, I'm a I'm a big gymmer. I uh, love going to the gym about three four times a week. Nice. Uh, I'm going out with friends, but also just like love adrenaline, like field sports. I'm a bit of an adrenaline junkie. So I'm like, going skydiving, surfing. I've just recently learned how to water ski. Nice. Uh, mountain climbing, you know, wherever it is, we love doing it. Sounds good, my dude. Solid, solid, solid. Uh, and as a general reminder for all of our listeners, watching subscribers, if you're listening to this on your podcast platform or if you're watching us on our YouTube channel, please make sure that you comment, like, subscribe and let us know what you think of the show and please share it with anybody that you think could benefit from this chapter today. So what we normally like to do at this point is go to visit our guest's LinkedIn profile to see, you know, like who are they, where they've come from, what they've been up to. And as a reminder, we'll always be putting their LinkedIn profile into the show notes. So if you want to connect with this person, find out, pick their brain, send them a message, or just say, hey, really loved your episode, Tom, feel free to do so. Uh, So Tom, checking out your profile, uh, you're somebody who's quite active on LinkedIn and you're giving a lot of best practices and tips, Mm. you know, how from cold calling to finding your why. So again, guests, listeners, I'm highly recommending connecting with him and checking out his content because it's super cool. And I've also recently seen you've been doing some stuff with Sales Confidence which I do want to dive into later today. Mm. Uh, but looking at your impressive career, you're somebody that's worked in uh, as an usher and every at media group cinemas. I love them. 
Uh, you've worked in the world of recruitment, a company I'm very familiar with, Softcat. Uh, you worked at Clarify, and you know, for the last year or so, you've been working at ReachDesk. So, Tom, for our listeners who are eager to find out more about you, could you just walk us through your story of like, how did you get into sales, starting from the beginning into kind of where you are today, mate? Yeah, absolutely. So, I think kind of did what you know, everyone does after uni when they don't really know what they want to do. I uh, took a gap year. Uh, I'll say gap year. I took two months traveling to Southeast Asia with my brother, mm. uh, which was absolutely amazing. Thought, you know, I can't go there, find myself. Um, we came back thinking, oh, I want to get into sales, but I don't really know what I want to do. Mm. Um, and at the time, my brother-in-law was in recruitment. He was like, oh, you know, you'd be great in sales. You know, why don't you try recruitment? So he sent me up a couple of interviews. Didn't really look outside um, recruitment, to be honest. Um, I really enjoyed the first six months. Um, I think, you know, being in that work environment, having the ability to make a lot of money at a young age was great. Mm. But I kind of slowly realized that just the recruitment environment wasn't for me. You know, it was, uh, yeah, it was a little bit, little bit different from what I was looking for. So left that role to join Softcat, which was more of like a, a consultancy role because I didn't, you know, I hated cold calling. I was so nervous on the phone. Literally, <laughs> my hand was shaking like this. Like, let's go do a dial. So, mm. Perfect. Let's go to let's go to more of a consultancy role where I feel I can be a little bit better at that. And it was all around like Microsoft and man, it was technical. It was a mm. product product licensing sales specialist. So title was a little bit misleading. Because mm. you're you're doing a bit of a consultancy role and you're always like making money for other account managers because your sole knowledge is on Microsoft, learning you know, why why that customer needs Microsoft. And again, it's just too technical for what I wanted to do. Mm. So I left there, joined a startup, literally four man. We made the product from scratch in the first five months. And again, it was once the product had been made, it was hammering the phones all day. Mm. You know, eighty to hundred cold calls a day, finding your accounts, repeating, going through that same list. Um, and again, unfortunately, the co-founder got sick, which meant we had mm. to shut down the business. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. So he's he's fine now, which is great. Um, Good to hear. But I learned so much in that 10 months. Like, it was, been, it was absolutely incredible how much I learned. Like, again, I, I felt like I was very underqualified. I felt like I was literally trying to keep my head above water the entire mm. time. But I learned so much from it, um, which kind of then led me to reach desk. And my friend Bethan, she introduced it to, to me. It was like... Oh, I just don't know if I want to go back into a BDR role because again, got such bad anxiety, cold calling. I was it was the only thing I was doing all day. Mm. Um, which was like, no, no, this place is different. This place is different. It's so much fun. You get to use the product that you're selling. So, all right, cool, I'll give it a go. Um and yeah, fell in love with it. Absolutely loved the interview process. Um and yeah, here we are today. I'm uh, working at Reach Desk and I'm absolutely loving it. Love that, dude. That that's a pretty cool story, and there's quite a few elements within that journey that I would love to kind of dive into if if that's all right with you and yeah, of course kind of coming back to because uh the beginning just before you, you know you got into the world of working like after to graduating university so a lot of our guests have come in the show where they do this thing where they go take a gap year like you said for two months to go travel the world to go find yourself mm. right and truth be told I never went to university so I never got to experience that I've got to travel don't get me wrong um but you know like you, you you then came back from traveling and then you went into that recruitment role because you're thinking oh what do i want to do so when people are looking to go find themselves when they go traveling what is it within that that you're trying to find because if you've then come back and you're like i don't know what i want to do mm. what what's going on in that discovery process of trying to find yourself when people go traveling after uni I think it's just a completely independent experience, right? I know I went with my brother, but like we're twins. I almost see him as like myself. Mm. Um, 
but it's experienced different cultures like it's you it's so different to the uk like i absolutely love going out and seeing like like i said experiencing those different cultures how other people live um so there's a bit of passing involved with it as well but it's mm. just it's a completely different lifestyle and you know, the traveling blues is such a thing when you come back because mm. you know the working world is so it's so fast paced when you're out there it gives you so much time just to think and slow down and really gather your thoughts and i recently went to bali by myself before i joined breach desk mm. um and that was a solo trip and that was a real wow i, I you know i need to be by myself right mm. i'm you know no twin no girlfriend you know mm. i had a girlfriend for seven years so i've always had someone in my life so for mm. me that was really a test for myself of can i be by myself can i be with my own thoughts and you know it took like three or four days to like oh god i've got to meet people i've got to find people to talk mm-hmm. to and it was really difficult but i guess from that i probably um relate to more of you know that second trip where you, know, you learn who you are because mm-hmm. you spend so much time with yourself yeah um so yeah i guess that's that's my answer to that one I love that. That's, that's a really good answer because it's a topic I was thinking about the other day. So for context for our audience, I, I had a day <clears throat> of sales coaching and I met about nine different people in one day. So I did nine coaching sessions. I was absolutely knackered by the end of the day, right? And everybody was talking either about, you know, what's going on in work, uh, some realizations that they've come to of coming out of a toxic environment. They're now thriving, I had another person that literally broke down within the coaching session because they had gone through a lot of changes and they found it really unnerving. Um, and then I'm talking to people in other countries and to that point of cultures, countries, experiences and different worlds, right? And there's been this thing that's been, I wouldn't call it a bug, but there's this seed within me at the minute where I was kind of getting a bit bored in my hometown. And kind of what I alluded to and what the thought I came to, Tom, and I'd love to to hear your opinion on this, was mm. when you speak to lots of people in different countries or you speak to people from different industries or roles, especially within sales, because your job is to speak to people, mm. you get influenced by so many thoughts and mindsets and different ideas that sometimes when you start looking back at your hometown, your hometown can come become a bit boring because of the people that you normally speak to in your hometown through your gym or your fitness class or stuff like that, I started to feel that these conversations are limited in comparison to the stuff that I get to do at work. And I've been doing this sort of stuff for 15 mm. years. And that's kind of the, one of the reasons I love sales because it takes you places. So mm. where I didn't get to travel coming out of uni because I never went to uni, I got to travel because of sales. I went to other countries, cultures and stuff like that. And my mates would always be on Facebook like, Neil, like you're always going off somewhere, you're jetting off somewhere. I freaking love it, but it was a lot of solo trips where, you know, as for onboarding or joining a new company, it was the first time I went to go visit that company in their HQ where I went out in the town, went out for dinner with friends and co-workers and stuff like that and learned. But yeah, kind of what I'm getting at is sometimes a really cool thing with sales is because you get to talk to so many people, it expands your mind Mm. and it can never go back to what it once was. And I was just wondering, do you have any, does any of that resonate with you, Tom? Yeah, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there where people do get a travel bug. Like, mm. I absolutely love going out and traveling. And I think it's, I find it strange that some people don't want to go experience different cultures. But I think, like I said, if you live in a small village and that's kind of the way you've been brought up, then you can't really blame them. Because if you haven't experienced it, you don't know what you're missing. Mm. And some people just aren't into you know, the traveling life and that's okay. But I think once you, you get a taste for it and you experience it, you're like, wow, like, you know, I'm obsessed with like, 
you know, seeing mountains and lakes and rivers, like the Bolivian salt flats and mm-hmm. you know, all these, you know, the, the ones of the world, like, you know, it's just, it's fascinating. Like we've got all, all this on our earth. Why would you not want to go experience that? Like, it's absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. And then you end up having the most, com- most amazing conversations with random people you'll meet in hostels. And you're like, wow, like that's, that's a pretty cool story. And yeah. what I found out, everyone has a story, you know, and it's, it, 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 people are out there for you to discover those stories and bring that knowledge back to back to where you are in in our town or in my town i love it and you, you're right dude because you know um kind of going back a few years when this show started when we was in the world of lockdown we could i couldn't get out of my flat right mm-hmm. and i was speaking to so many people around the world remotely through like podcast sorry through zooms that i thought and i understood that i learned more about people's stories because people actually had time to tell their story because this was the only type of social interaction we had. And it got me thinking, hey, why don't we put this into a podcast and make it a thing? And, you know, three years Ooh. later, we're here. So, yeah, 100%. My love, love. Um, so, you know, going on to that next step of going into to recruitment, you said, you know, you realized recruitment wasn't for you. So we've had a lot mm. of guests that they have taken that first step as recruitment. And it's then led going on into, you know, working in sales and tech sales. Mm. It's just a trend. But what was it about recruitment that you felt that it wasn't a fit for you, Tom? I think it's the environment of recruitment. I think when you when you're young lads, like to us, I wasn't too sure of myself. Like you know, I thought I was a confident lad, but you know, going into recruitment and having that kind of environment around you where there's you know, there's a lot of banter, there's a lot of like toxic masculinity. Like <laughs> I should be honest, that's not me. That's not yeah. me. And I, you know, getting bantered every day. I was always the new guy. You know, they were great guys. Don't get me wrong, they were great guys. And I'd meet that up from beer, like even yeah. to this day. But inside work, it just didn't allow me to focus and get in the zone and perform the way I wanted to. So I was constantly mm. in this pit of anxiety of thinking, oh God, like, I've got to do well, I've got to perform. But then mm. also I've got to keep up with the banter. Yeah. Um, and just, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. And I was just, you know, lockdown came um, six months into to the role. So I kind of got put on furlough. And mm. it gave me a lot of time to think. Got back after furlough. And I realised, yeah, this, you know, nothing's changed. I need to, I need to look elsewhere. Yeah, hundred percent. And you know what? Um, again, this kind of alludes to a conversation I was having with an SDR um, previously about toxic environments, right? So, coaching this young individual, um, every time he was catching up, there was just was something going wrong in work and the world, and you know, deals. And because we've come out of what people may have seen as a, a downturn year, and I hate using that term. Um, but, you know, it's been really hard this summer. I've seen for a lot of SDRs that I've spoken to book meetings, build pipeline and stuff like that. And with this person, he was saying a lot of people are leaving his business and it's kind of worrying him uh, as to where he's going to be left because he was going to be like one of the only SDRs left there. And then, you know, we caught up this week. And when I got into the call, I said, so how's like, life been? We haven't caught up for about a month. And he said, Neil, things are flourishing. Like I'm killing it. And I was like, what's changed? And he said, well, a lot of people have left, but I've now been left. And he said, those people used to say with our competitors, oh, you know, they're not going to go with us because they've got more money. We're just a small little startup. And he said, that kind of rubs off on you after a while. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And 100%. And, but as, as he went on, he just said, now it's me and just another few SDRs, but I'm surrounded by more account executives. And they're really positive. And, you know, they're, they're, they're really thinking that they've got great deals, they've got great pipelines, they're enjoying conversations. He said, Neil, as I'm surrounding myself with this day in, day out, even though I'm doing it remotely, it's really been a positive boost to me. And it's impacted me because now 
I'm booking more meetings. I'm having better conversation, but I'm freaking loving it. Whereas a month ago, I thought I wanted to leave. Mm. And it kind of reminded me of that thing of, you know, um, you are the sum total of the five people that you hang around with the most, your environment, right? Yeah. So what was it for you, Tom, that made you realize this was toxic? Because sometimes people are scared to leave a toxic environment in the fear that, you know, they're going to be thought laughed at or said, oh, mm. you know, you're not, you're not able to keep up with the banter that. and stuff like that. So how yeah. did you take that courage to, 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 to take that step? I think you just got to put yourself first. I think you, you know, I think during lockdown, it, you know, it kind of put me through as a mindset where I, you know, you need to learn that, you know, you're the main priority. Like, you know, you've got to look after yourself before you start looking after other people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think yeah. When I when I came back, I just I can't do it. Like this isn't. It's not worth feeling like this. It's not you know. It's not worth my mental health to carry on doing something that I don't enjoy. Where in reality, in business, it, you they would get rid of you in a heartbeat because it's it's business, right? Mm-hmm. So I think you've got to you've got to look out for yourself and you've got to do what's best for you. Yeah, I think that's what I learned. Hundred percent. And I think you know over the years of sales, I have seen. And I've experienced and I've been in toxic environments and with this toxic masculinity side of it as well. I've seen it. And, you know, like in the early days, I didn't want to say anything because I didn't want to ruffle feathers, you know, <laughs> because I'm fairly new. Yeah. Um, and as years had gone on, um, you know, I think the best way I can put it, like on sexism or toxic masculinity, I've, I would hear a lot of comments made by fellow male salespeople. And at first, I just used to like shudder and be like, nah, bro, I don't want to hear that sort of stuff. Like, don't talk about people like that. But then when you realize that you are a brother or a sister, or you have a partner that's female, or something like that, and things would be said, at points, it got to the point I was like, bro, that's just wrong. I do not do not yeah. say that in front of me. And they're like, oh, no, I'm only joking, mate. I'm only joking. I said, like, I don't give a damn, innit? I said, I'm not going to go talk to HR, Ooh. but do something like that again, and, and then then we we have a problem. And I had to realize, you know, you have to be that difference and step up when stuff like that's happening. And not just yeah. on the sexism point, but just in general, like if somebody's ribbing another employee or making fun of stuff like that, sometimes I would actually, when I got more confident, I would say to somebody like that, I said, you know what, I kind of get the feeling you're saying that to that person because you're insecure about yourself. Is, is that the case? And they would look at me like, well, no. I said, well, when I hear you do that, I get the impression you're trying to make that person feel small. Is that what you're trying to do? And it puts them on the back foot a little bit. And no, no, I was just having a laugh. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm just, just wondering. But sometimes yeah. some people need to be put in check. But again, I, I'm not going to go into war mode right now. But yeah, it's, it's just not. I cool. agree. I agree. I think it's it's actually taken me a, a long time to learn that lesson. Hmm. I think when I was, you know, when I was at Clarify, like I constantly felt like, you know, I just, I just didn't really fit there. I just hmm. didn't fit. Again, it was a bit more of a, a laddie environment. And I thought, oh, God, is it me? Is it me? Am I just, you know, am I too sensitive? So I started changing my behaviours to kind of match that. And I thought, and like, I'm, I'm looking back, I'm not happy because I'm having to try and be someone that I'm not. And I'm mm. changing my behaviours to try and fit in with this, with this environment. And at the time when it's, you know, a group of four people, you know, you stick out like a sore thumb. I'm, mm. I'm sure they, I'm sure they knew it. I'm sure they knew it. But I think, you know, I thought, I can't quit. I can't quit. Just keep going, keep going. Like, you know, the, the end result was, you know, I was looking at the money's going to be great when this company goes public and we, you know, get the shit. It's like, oh yeah, it's all going to be worth it. Yeah, yeah. Man, it's just, it's, it's not, it's, it's not. And I think the best way to describe it is, you know, when you were really at school and you, I don't know if you ever did the science experiment where you put a plant in a dark room and it, mm-hmm. grows, yeah, yeah. it grows super quickly, but it's yeah. all like yellow and 
you know, it's not, it doesn't look good, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I, that's exactly how I felt at Clarify. I learned so much, but I was just like, I was trying to keep my head above water. I was being someone that I wasn't, I, it wasn't healthy growth. It just mm-hmm. wasn't. Whereas mm-hmm. now I feel like I'm at reach desk. I feel like I'm this flourishing plant. Like I found my environment. I found my people. Mm-hmm. Um, and your environment is what makes, you know, I've done a LinkedIn post on it. Your environment is what makes your experience and it makes you, I believe a good salesperson because you're confident you're comfortable within your environment and mm. that you know comfortable environment allows you to grow really mm. organically i love that couldn't agree more with you you know like you have to be mindful of the situations and positions that you put yourself in because it will influence your mindset and how you perceive things and how you work and that will come out and stuff like that and if <laughs> if you're in a place where you're constantly scared or you're constantly having to watch your back you know that's just not healthy for for, for anyone right and um, this actually brought up another memory, um, not just on like the the toxic masculinity. There was another thing that I used to notice in a lot of startups that I worked with, right? So um, a lot of our like product teams or technical or engineer teams would traditionally be people from Indian descent or backgrounds and coming from Asia. And working with a lot of North American companies, there was always this thing where they made like a fun of an Indian accent. And for anybody that's ever watched Corporate Bro, there's this guy called Raj, uh, that's Corporate's SE, and he has like a typical very strong Indian accent. And when that Indian person would leave said meeting, they would like imitate their, you know, their their accent. And I've seen this happen a few times, and sometimes they make fun of, you know, Indian heritage or something like that when that person was on the call. Now, when I looked at that other Asian colleague, and I'm meaning Indian when I say Asian, because I know we've got some American listeners out there as well. Um they would do mannerisms and stuff like that and they would only do it when that person's left said meeting and i would sit there and i'd be like rah that's racist bro you can't do that but the thing is what they didn't understand and they looked at me with when i had that look of like no that's wrong they're like looked at me like what's wrong with that neil and i said yeah my name is neil Buyan. i come my family are of asian heritage like do i am asian so I find that highly effective. Oh, we didn't mean it that way. And the point that I'm getting here is, you know, uh, the, the thing that I used to give a lot of advice to people, if you can't say it to somebody's face, then don't say when they're not around because then you know there's something wrong with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I don't see that as prevalent as nowadays in the companies that I've worked with. But I think it just comes back to the thing of, you know, being mindful of colleagues and coming back to the thing of the world. You know, the reason I got into startups, because it's a diverse culture. People are from different backgrounds, different countries coming into one company to become one. Um, It goes beyond, you know, things that I saw in my hometown where there was a lot of, I experienced a lot of racism when I was younger, you know, because of being Asian. And this is kind of why I got into tech sales because there were companies and like some of these founders were Asian. Like my, my first ever CEO was somebody who came from Chinese heritage and he built a really cool company. And he worked alongside people that built eBay and PayPal. I thought that's freaking mad, dude. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. You know, you know. But anyway, I'm di- digressing, and we're getting into a very emotional topic. But it is important. <laughs> um, but you know, like you going into to clarify. So this was like kind of like your first like startup environment yep. where you learned a hell of a lot, and you know, mm-hmm. it was for a couple of months. Like, what was that process like of going into that tech? Because compared to Softcat, which was a big company, and Mm. Uh, I think who's the guy I want to give a shout out? Martin Halliwell, who was a chief exec of Softcat. He was my first ever prospect when I was a young SDR, yeah, yeah. and he accepted my LinkedIn invite and he introduced me to Alistair Wynn, 
to get a face-to-face meeting with Softcat back in the days. Oh, he was a great, he's a great guy. Uh, but the comparison, what was it like, corporate, startup, and what was that process like of you building yourself in Clarify? You've got nowhere to hide, honestly. <laughs> yeah. You've got nowhere to hide. I think that's what I found. That's what I found difficult. Not that I I hide amongst the noise, but because you're surrounded by great people, like the you know people I worked with, they they were top of their game. They were there for a reason. Like shout out to Matt and Jack. Like you know you guys and, and Adam. You know you <laughs> guys were top of your game. You know you knew what you, you were doing. So for me, it was like, oh my god, I've got to be at that level. Which again. <laughs> that's why I learned so much because I had to grow. I had to keep up with the standard of you know, being a startup. You can't, you, know, you can't stand behind the scenes and let things go on. You are part of that business hmm. and you make things happen. So I know I remember you know, I was part of designing the dashboard for, for this piece of software that we're doing. Um, and it feels great. You, you actually get to put a, a mark on what you're doing. Hmm. Um, but it was, you know, behind the scenes, like it was all going on, but we were prospecting, but things were still getting ready in the background. Like it's your typical startup, life you know you've got to fake it till you make it mm-hmm. um, so you're doing you had this guy come in and you know we we're doing all this product research and market knowledge of the messaging the processes that we we're setting up you know getting these presentation sources for prospects when we were coming on calls and i'm like oh, all right i booked the meeting and matt would do the um the, like the demo of it and i'm sitting there like oh god i can, I can never do this i can mm. i can never do this um but yeah as your confidence grows you start getting in Sorry, and go on. and it, j- just on that point, like that limiting belief there, you know, I can never do that. Where do you think that stemmed from, Tom? And how did you overcome that? Because I've never thought about it. Because it, it surprises me that I do think that way, just because. Essentially, so I'm a twin. I'm a twin, and hmm. my brother's got two prosthetic legs. Okay. And his motto is, you know, I can do anything. Right? He does. I love that. He does. He does more than me. He's literally just climbed. Um, oh, what's the mountain in Wales? Snowden. Snowden. So literally just climbed Snowden. Wow. And people are walking past him like you're so amazing, you're inspirational, and he is. He mm. really is. And but I see him as James. Like he's not. He's not you know, um, an amputee. He's not disabled. Mm. You know, he's just my brother. So it surprises mm. me that I do have that attitude at times because he truly is my inspiration. In the fire. And I think that's what's kind of that. That's what got through me. So that's what got me through. I kind of work it, clarify, and even to now, like you know, just keep going. I want to be the best because you you are the best. You are top of your game right now. Mm. Like he had this, he had this surgery, um, and you know he wanted to be the first person to do a backflip with this, you know, with the surgery, and he, he did it. Wow. Um, and then he, I think he learned that there's a, I think the person did uh, the three peaks with uh, with a prosthetic leg, and he wants to be the first person to do it with two prosthetic legs. Mm. stuff like that like he's just unbelievable like i can't praise him enough and he, he knows this you know he's my inspiration mm. um so big shout out to you james but yeah i think where that limiting belief comes from i'm not sure maybe it was just self-confidence you know mm. it, you know that's all i can kind of put it down to being sure of yourself knowing knowing your place in the world um yeah. and i think because i always felt like i was on the back foot when i was at clarify i was scrambling i was trying to get my you know, we're trying to you know, meet quota, book these meetings, and you know, I was on par with Jack. We were constantly hitting, but I always felt like I was, oh god, like he sounds so much more confident. Like what he says works. Like I was messing up my um, my role plays all the time. I was doing it in front of the founder. I'm like, oh god, he's gonna he's gonna fire me if I don't get this right. And all these thoughts are going through it mm-hmm. through my head, and thinking you've just got to be perfect. And mm-hmm. that, I think that's maybe a perfectionism. That's why I have that self belief because I want to be perfect all the time. 
You, you hit the nail on the head there, dude, because we, we, we've all been there. And I think this is a really good topic on the show for a lot of our listeners who may be experiencing this uh, as well. And you've put it down to that thing of perfectionism. You want to get it right. And the other thing that I've realized is we have all of these thoughts of how other people are going to perceive our flaws and they're going to see our mistakes and stuff like that. But here's the reality. The things that you're worried about, people don't give a shit about. They're not even thinking that. Absolutely. But we're the ones thinking it. It's funny. Um, they're, too, they're too worried about what's going on in their own life to even yeah, yeah. care about what's going on in yours. Yeah, because I, I think um, uh, I think I've told this story on the show before, but just as a reminder, I remember once when I was working at Showpad, um, I was in an office in Shoreditch, and there were four gentlemen, other SDRs or BDRs, and these guys were more experienced in vets in tech than I was at that point. They, they were actual closers. I'd never experienced that yet. I was all in an office in Shoreditch and it was just a quiet room and I was like what the hell is this man it's dead in here it's absolutely quiet mm-hmm. and I just remember looking at one of my prospects on LinkedIn like he was a huge like head of sales enablement for PTC so a big enterprise company I had my phone Gave him a call, just started chatting to the dude, and you know we got into a conversation, and I was being punched left, right, and center by this prospect, but I just tried to keep the conversation going, and I started having this fear of like you know all these other guys and these people that had been A's are probably laughing at me and thinking like what the hell Neil, and that's not even part of the script because we didn't even have a script back then, bro. Mm -hmm. Uh, But when I got off the call, I was just because I didn't book the meeting, right? The guy just outright said no, but you know good call, but it lasted for about five or six minutes. And I got off the call and all the other guys, Tom, Ajmal, and Yob, turned around and said, oh, that was amazing, bro. Like, how did you do, where did you get that script from? And I was like, just made it up. They're like, that was, that was amazing. And I was like, really? <laughs> but then, no word of a lie, the next day when I came into the office, there was this buzz of phones and people them trying to have conversations walking up and down this little oh, box from that. a shortage. And I was like, oh, cool. You know, hopefully that sparked something in them. Mm. But it's this this idea of perfection because I didn't want to go into that call to have a perfect call and you know I did want to book a meeting I just wanted to chat and see where I could get to that was the whole point and I was watching uh, this video on TikTok and I can't remember the guy's name which is really bad but um, he was talking to this guy where he said he's he's finding it hard to make uh, choices and decisions and the guy turned around him and said, it's because you want to make the perfect decision. You want to make the right choice. Is that right? He said, yes. And he said, there is no such thing as a right choice. You know, it's a decision that you make could be wrong. And he gave his own example of, I went into accounting for four years. It was the wrong path, right? But he says, people, uh, when you have, when they're thinking about things, it just creates more thinking. It just delays you from doing something. That's so good, yeah. I completely agree. Yeah. But he said, like, it's when you take action, that's when you move forward. And he said, there is a lot of trial and error that needs to be done in order to come to the conclusion of how things should be done. And he said, you're trying to see 10 steps ahead of the staircase. And he said, all you need to do is just, uh, the only way you're going to get to step two is by just taking that first step. And he says, you're going to make a lot of mistakes and you're going to fail, but that is okay. You know, Mm. and that's the limiting belief of I can't do it because we can't figure out how it looks all the way towards the end. But if we just take that first step, you know, you'll be able to do it. Um, So, um, 
you know, like when it when when it comes to yourself, um, you know, you're somebody that's doing quite well, and you know, coming into Reach Desk, you know, you're you're being successful. Kind of, what is your process, Tom, to get you speaking to prospects, like to do cold mm-hmm. calling, to you know, reach out to the people that you're trying to sell to, and how did you make that transition of that guy that went through a baptism of fire to coming into Reach Desk? What's your process, dude? I think it is a process that starts inside work and outside work i think mm. for me in the morning it always starts for me waking up in the morning it's like make your bed right yep discipline make yep. your bed yep you know have a cold shower in the morning start your day off with something that you don't want to do mm. and for me it's have a freezing cold shower and like every morning i go right here we go and <laughs> you know once you're in there it's fine you get used to it um yeah as long as you do it you get used to it yeah you know, make sure i'm having a good breakfast um you know, med- meditation. If I'm on the train, it's ten minutes of meditation. If I'm not on the train, if I'm working from home, it's you know just being mindful of what you're doing. Like sitting down, actually, right, put your phone down, eat your breakfast, and realize you know, you're chewing. What are you eating? Mm. Um, taking pauses just throughout the day, especially when you know, I know for me, sometimes even, even now I still get a bit nervous doing cold calls, but it's just take a pause, and you're there just to have a conversation. At the end of the day, you know, I think I put so much pressure on myself. I've got to book this meeting was why I put so much pressure on myself. But now it's, right, I've done my preparation. I know exactly why I'm calling this prospect. You know, because at Reach Desk, we do like an ABM approach where it's hyper-personalized. We do research about the prospect and the company. So I know exactly why I'm calling and, you know, look very much at job specs to know, mm. you know, the, what the company's looking for, for example, yeah. what they're looking to achieve. Um, and this gives me a great backbone for, when, you know, when I'm on the call, I know exactly why I'm calling, the problems around what they're trying to achieve. And then, that's when you really get into that conversation and you're just being curious it's literally it's all about being curious being so human right yeah. it's you know the, the best thing i've you know people say oh you should never ask a prospect how they are on the phone mm. like, i ask it all the time and you know often, you know 50 percent of the time they ask you know how are you i'm like you know what, neil you're actually the first person to ask me that today. <laughs> I, I, re- I really I do appreciate that. I do that. it and they're like oh really i was like oh this, you know you I'm sure you're not surprised, you know, the day of being an SDR and you start the conversation off like that and you're not hitching straight away. Like, look, Neil, I appreciate I've caught you completely out of the blue here, but yeah, I'm okay just to explain the context of why I'm calling um, and then you can decide if it even makes sense to continue the conversation. Mm-hmm. Sound fair enough? Mm-hmm. I've learned that from Jordan Belford. You know, sound fair enough? I, I listened to his audio book. Yeah. Oh, is that where it comes from? Yeah. Oh. Uh, I'd recommend recommend the read. Recommend it. It's a, it's a great listen. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, yeah, it's the reasonable marantone. Sound fair enough? Like, yeah, 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 that sounds fine. You know, go ahead. And it works 90% of the time. Yeah, Sometimes yeah. It's like, no, don't, I don't take cold calls. It's like, oh, oh, oh shit. Right, okay. <laughs> I hear that. So I, I love that because we've got very similar, it's like routines and habits, right? Mm-hmm. And it's how you set your day from the beginning. So like this morning, I woke up at 6 a.m. Um, and I, I have this thing where for the first hour of the day, I try not to look at this phone. I try not to open it and flip it open because, you know, we want to see messages, notifications. And there's this thing with the reason why social media platforms have like a red uh, color for notifications because it's a warning and it means danger. And that's why there's something within our brain that makes us have to want to look at those notifications and we get addicted to that for... That is so so interesting. I know that makes so much sense though. Yeah, if you think about Instagram, LinkedIn, the red means danger. So that's why we want to check it. So... My rule of thumb is I don't check my phone for the first hour of the day. Um, and this morning I did it, uh, as in not checking my phone. I went out onto my balcony and I just looked at the sun. 
I was like, there's a beautiful, because it's, it's for, for our audience, we're in September 2023, and the weather's kind of hot at the minute, it's still the first week of September, right? You guys built this. Yeah, it's not, it's not. Um, but there was a beautiful, like, sunrise, and I was just like, yeah, do you know what, today's going to be a good day, is what I said mm. to myself mentally. Then I went to the gym, came back from gym, uh, I had my protein breakfast, I had my uh, drink of water, I had my journal, and I had headspace on my phone. Mm. And I sat down and done all this, and it was just quarter past eight. So my day has already been set up, and yeah. that's my routine and process. Um, and from what I'm hearing from you is like the cold showers, doing the meditation 10 minutes before, like when you're on the tube, going to work and stuff like that. That's really good, and I've done those things. But there is uh, this other side of a culture where people don't believe in that hype, or they don't like that sort of stuff. And part of me is thinking like, well, have you actually done it? Do you know what it mm. actually feels like? But then the other side of Neil's is, is I talk about myself in a third person a lot, by the way. <laughs> the other side of Neil is, he says, well, maybe that's not for them and they don't have to do it. Mm. But maybe there is somebody listening to this show today that's seen the LinkedIn posts of, you know, how to be top form, how to be that 1% and doing all these roots and habits. What was your why to implementing these routines and things for you, Tom? Mm. I think I've just... I'm a people pleaser, right? and I think I'm I I just want to be the best, and I think sprung from that is being a people pleaser. Um, so I think any I'm a big fan of like I'm quite a deep person, so I love listening to podcasts and following hmm. out what other people are doing. And you know, diary CEOs where I get a lot of my information and hearing how all these top performers kind of set up their day and kind of what they're I guess yeah from their childhood up until now, like what have they learned, what have they seen that works, and what you know because they've told their younger self for example mm. um so it's just taking bits of information from everyone sorry what everyone has done on that podcast obviously not everything's going to resonate yeah but taking you know small pieces oh, that, that sounds really interesting i'm going to try that so mm. i think that's why i'd really encourage just to do outside learning do outside reading like we've got so much information at the tip of our fingertips right now yeah yeah like it's crazy like you know you can go on youtube and you can learn how to you know, learn how to set up a business if you like to you know it's crazy um so I think, yeah, just be curious. I think, you know, in sales, we're naturally curious people, right? Mm. We ask questions. It's like, for me, it's like, what's going to make me be top of my game? How can I be a top performer? Um, and for me, it's, it's looking at what other top performers are doing. Mm -hmm. and, the, the, and you're right. Uh, information is at our fingertips and you can watch YouTube to learn a whole bunch. Dude, this is how I learned how to build a podcast show because I had no idea three years ago. It was all through Ooh. YouTube. Um but there's this subject of top performers that I'd love to 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 get your opinion on. So a lot of the time I'm, you know, coaching SDRs or I'm training them and I ask them like kind of what your goals are, like in 12 months is that I want to be a top performer. Uh, I want to have a high earning potential. And that's all good. And we're going to come back to, you know, the topic of your why in a moment. But this is more a mindset question because when I joined like my startups, I had no want to be a top performer there wasn't anything that excited me about that mindset i saw you know a lot of rsdrs like becoming top performers or high performing account executives uh, that were earning shit tons of money uh, and stuff like that and i see this thing of wanting to be number one and be the top in the top but i've never mm. had that goal i have been a global top sales development rep within a business right i've had that title but then I look at it because I was the first one in the door for Europe. So I had the whole lay of the land. I could book as many meetings as I want. Mm. I learned that process. And then even coming into my, my music life, 
as an MC, I looked used to look at people like Dizzy Rascal and Wiley and all these great artists. And the one thing that I noticed about with those musicians, they never had this idea of I want to be a number one hit. They just said I want to make music. Mm. And if they kept doing it consistently over time, they became top musicians. And I looked at it as sales as like I don't want to be top. I just want to see how long I can keep going. Mm. And as I kept going and going and going, I've got to high positions. Um, I have to be, I, I, I want to be humble. I never see myself as an expert because a lot of people that connect with me in coaching say like, no, you've had an impressive career and you know, you've done so much stuff. You're really successful. I'm like, am I? I'm just like, no, nah, nah, I'm just doing me. I was like, bro, my bank account, I ain't, I'm not a millionaire. I haven't got like billions. Mm. I ain't got a Bentley or anything like that. Um, but they like, somebody asked me the other day where they said to me, could you tell me like, Neil, in your career, at what point did you realize where everything clicked and everything was going your way and you like you thought you kind of made it? And I said, well, bro, I've been in sales for about 15 years in this industry. And I said, it's only as of now, this year, 2023, has things felt like it's clicked because I'm in a role coaching people and that's what I love doing. I'm doing my podcast and I can have anybody that I want on it and I get to great to talk people. I've got a lot of time with my son and I've got work-life balance going on. I'm doing my fitness three to four times a week. I'm in good condition compared to where I was a couple of years ago. And I said, it's taken me about 15 years. Mm. But I said, the other thing that has got into my head was I've never, and I hope to never have this thought of I've made it. Because I feel that the moment I say that in my mind, I will become complacent. So I know that I've gone on a really long tangent there, Tom. But this thing of wanting to be a top performer and a high performer, it doesn't make sense to me. I know what it means. But mm. I don't know why people want to aspire. So I just kind of want to know, like, what's your why? And what does it mean to be a top performer for you, Tom? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think it, a lot of it stems back to, and for me, it's my childhood, right? I want to be top performer because I kind of, as I alluded to at the start, you know, my brother, he is top of his game, right? Mm. He's, I've got no excuse to not be, you know, the best for my, like, for myself. Like, you know, he's absolutely incredible at what he does. Mm. So, me i've got no excuse to kind of mope around and be like oh yeah i'll book some demos for me it's like no right let's let's go like i you know, i want to do it for me as well as well as him hmm. but i think also on that topic of why i think this is such an important question when we go through an interview process when hmm. like hiring new people and it's simply because you know you can get someone that says oh yeah i want to be financially free i want to be able to buy whatever i want hmm. it's like yeah okay well that's that's a really generic answer what what do you want to buy with that money? Yeah. And she's yeah. like, oh, um, you know, I want to buy a Ferrari. It's like, okay, but why do you want to buy that Ferrari? And mm. I, I listened to a podcast. I was like, you know, if you go into, if you want to start going to sales and you want to make money to buy a Ferrari, you know, is it because your dad took you to a, a car show and you mm. saw that red Ferrari? And, oh, wow, that takes you back. So me and my dad spending quality time with each other. Mm. Uh, that's why I want to buy the Ferrari. And to me, they're like, wow, you've got a real in, like you know, intrinsic motivation to go out and buy that Ferrari. Mm. And for me, my why is James being top of top of his game being you know absolutely inspirational to me but the other side of it is you know I absolutely love traveling mm. I want to I know booking a, another demo having it qualified is an extra hundred pounds for me where it's a few more nights in a hostel yeah so I yeah can go, I can you know it's another cocktail on the beach for one who we go travel all these different amazing places so knowing why you know knowing why that you're get earning that money I think is so key mm. maybe you don't have the mindset of being a top performer just know why you want that money and i think you've said it perfectly just keep going keep going because you know you know i definitely haven't made it yet i've got so much to learn 
Yeah. I think you always get to a point where you're not going to be satisfied because you, get, well, you listen to all these people that have made millions and millions and millions and it's not enough. Mm. So it's enjoying the process, just enjoy the journey. Yeah. Um, is my, is my key takeaway. That's, you know, that's what you've got to do. Enjoy the journey, but along the way, try and find your why. You know, yeah. Really, you know, you want to buy a house? What do you want in that house picture? Yeah. You know, create more board of what you want in that house. Um, that's that's the key, I think, to, to finding your why. Eloquently, and I couldn't put it better myself, Tom, I really, really agree with that. And uh, I've lived and breathed it as well. And, you know, it's, it's important to know that why, what, what's the motivation behind it? Because, you know, admittedly, joining sales i wanted to earn more money i wanted to make a shit ton of commission because i was always broke in my 20s right mm. um i came from a family where money was really scarce you know um i have memories of bailiffs knocking up our, our door you know and i was just like always told like we can't like well my mates had really cool computer games really designer clothes i never had none of that stuff i started mm. working at 13 because i felt so guilty asking my parents for money but I wanted to have enough money so that I could just do what I want when I want, mm. right? Without feeling that guilt. But then the other side is that your why can evolve and change. You don't have to have it dead set in stone from the beginning. It can change because you as a person will change. Experiences like if like with me, I became a dad. My why is completely changed, right? Another reason why I wanted to launch my business, like firstly, was because I just wanted to be my own boss. And I had this horrible thought of, I'm helping all these startups make millions, but I'm only getting a couple of grand for it. That just doesn't make sense, dude. That's mm -hmm. just not for me. Um, but then my why of wanting to launch my business was because I remember one time I was working for a startup and I had my son and I couldn't attend a certain doctor's interview, a doctor's appointment with him, which I didn't need to be there, but I wanted to be there because he was my baby boy. Mm. But I couldn't because I had a work meeting. And the thought was... I want to be able to do whatever I need to be, wherever I need to be for him. So it, my why became was because I want work to fit around my time, not I have to fit my time around work, if that makes yeah. sense, right? Absolutely. Uh, and then equally, yeah, like I speak to a lot of SDRs that they want to, you know, earn money, but it's what do you want to do with that money? And some people are just like, I just want to, you know, be able to buy a nice car or put a down payment on a mortgage, which is fair enough. And everybody can do what they want with their money. But other people are like, because I want to put it into stocks and ISAs and I want it to invest and grow and have passive income so I don't have to wake up at nine o'clock in the morning and go into an office. I'm like, cool, bro. You know? Um, but it takes a while to figure that why. And I think to kind of come full circle of, you know, originally you went traveling for those two months to go find yourself. I think realistically you find yourself to your point within that journey. This is when you realize who you are, what you like, mm. what you don't like, what you're going to accept in terms of a toxic culture or, you know, where do I want to be in terms of the role, what I'm doing day to day. Um, so I think you've been on a beautiful journey, dude, uh, and you've come to really good conclusions. Um, and it's really like empowering to see that as well. And Thank having you. those inspirations in your life, like, like with your brother, it's always good to have people that inspire you. But I think as you can agree, it's why you're doing it for you. You're not doing it to please other people or val get validation you're doing it because it makes you happy right mm. i think that's the ultimate thing um and the other thing that i love like checking out on linkedin is i love seeing that more and more people within sales development are now going to talks and uh conferences and membership organizations to really elevate this profession and i see you doing stuff with like sales confidence like what's mm. the story that how did you 
get involved with that? What was going down? What did you discuss? Yeah. So my uh, my manager, Ollie Pickett, so he, again, he's the guy that's kind of, he really instilled my confidence into me. He, he his training was just unbelievable. Like he's the best manager I've ever had. And he Love got it. the opportunity to uh, talk at sales confidence. So I actually mm. went to go support him. Um, always kind of shied away from the networking business and think, oh God, I don't, don't really want to go speak to other people, especially after work and all that sort of mm. stuff. It, it completely changed my mindset. Like you meet so many interesting people, like what other SDRs are doing within the industry that was working for them. Mm. Like, wow, this guy's, this guy's, he's great. Yeah, yeah. He's given me some solid advice. And then afterwards you, you, know, you get free drinks, you have, you have a network, speak to other really cool people. Mm. Um, and I really encourage everyone to go do at least one networking event. Just try it out. It yeah. really changed my mind. Yeah. Um, so the worst thing is you're going to walk away with some really you know, cool ideas that you've learned from sales confidence. Mm. And you, know, you don't have to go back again. You just try it. You know, if you don't like it, that's fine. I love it. And do you know what? That's is another example of a limiting belief. Like I don't want to go to an event after work, meet other salespeople, network. Like, and I was the same. And the thing is, admittedly, as I said to James Ski, I've known sales confidence uh, and their events for many years, but not once have I ever been until this year. Right, because mm. I've got this really antisocial behavior of I hate sales leadership events. I don't want to go meet other sales leaders because sometimes they piss me off. Right, because I'm not on the mind. I still think I'm an SDR. That's yeah. my mindset. I'm still in that camp, right? And I don't want to go speak to you know the the VPs and stuff like that. So when I've seen a lot of leadership events where I'm just like, yeah, you guys. And again, this isn't for everyone. This isn't a blanket statement, but this is just Neil's limiting belief. I said. You're all leaders, you're talking the talk, but none of you actually in the trenches doing the job and you don't know how freaking hard it is. So don't chat to me, bro. Um, but then with James's event, I saw that there was an event just for the SDRs where the speakers were the SDRs, the audience were the SDRs. So I was like, that's my crew. Those are the sort of people that I want to chat to because those are the people I love working with. And I think from a point of prospecting, it's always good to network with the people that you sell to or you help. Because that's where you're going to learn the most. And be it on a cold call, if you're calling VPs of marketing sales all day long, that's what you're going to learn. If those are the people that you're trying to sell to and work with. And with me, I want to become a better SDR trainer and a better SDR coach. I'm not going to learn that from the sales leaders. I can learn frameworks and training guides and all of that. Yeah, cool. But when it comes into what does an SDR want to learn? Where do they want to exceed? Where do they want to excel? So, you know, I went to an event. And there was a limiting belief of, mm, I don't know if I'm going to learn anything. I'm Neil Booyan of Happy Shilling. Come on, bro. But when I got there, I was very humbled <clears throat> because I've had this thought of uh, when I started my company, I've always had this uh, mindset of I want to be the idiot in the room. It's great. Because if I'm the smartest person in the room, I'm in the wrong room. I'm not going to learn anything. And I sat there for like a couple of hours up in London and I was like, rah, they're doing things much faster and quicker than I did when I was an SDR. And, you know, they're talking about frameworks and like techniques and stuff. And like, oh, I need to jot that down and bring that into a session when I next speak to one of my coaches, right? Um, but if I hadn't have pulled my finger out and just, you know, bothered to go, because again, I live in uh, Surrey as a, as a child of train. I've been working all day long. Yeah. But to your point, to the, yeah. And I was like, what's the worst going to happen? Like, I'm going to learn something new. And do you know what? I met a whole bunch of people that I've now, I am now actually coaching. Mm. Um, I've made more networks and connections. I've elevated my name and my brand. I've got a hell of a lot of new podcast guests because of that event. It was worth it. You know, it pays dividends. Um, but it's just the, 
why not just go for it? What's the worst that could happen? I think that's the mindset. And I think it's for like cold calling, emailing, going for your first, you know, objection handling, just do it and you're going to learn. It's trial and error, right? Even if you want to get into being an SDR, you know, it's yeah. such a perfect place to go. Yeah. You know, I think there was a SDR recruitment agency there. I forget the name of it, but... Venetrix? Uh, yes, Venetrix. That's there the we one. go. Shouts out of Lane. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, they're there, you know, go have a chat with them. Exactly. What, what's the worst that can happen? 100%, mate. Uh, but Tom, it's been an absolute uh, privilege to have you on the show today. I've really enjoyed this conversation, so a big thank you to you. Thank uh, you as well. No, you're more than welcome. And a question that I, you know, I put to all of my guests: if there were, let, let's go back to that Tom that you know finished uni, uh, went two months travelling, and now he was just like, "What am I going to do?" What three bits of advice would you give back to that Tom? Three bits of advice is, I think, try absolutely everything. I think you only learn by doing things. So, you know, if you don't know what you want to do, interview for as many different jobs as you possibly can. I think that's that's one thing I would have done um, rather than pigeonholing myself into recruitment. But then again, it wouldn't have got me where I was today. So I've got to be grateful for that. Hmm. Um, I think, again, try and find your why. I know obviously it's quite difficult to do early on. Some people might not know their why until a lot older. But the more digging you can do, or soul searching you can do, if you want to go hmm. traveling, again, something great for it. Try and find your why early on, as, as early as possible, because uh, I think it'll really give you a really good kickstart if you, mm. if you want to be in sales, but also just in, in life in general. Yeah. Um, and I think, finally, yeah, mindset, outside learning, uh, looking at different podcasts, widening your horizons, looking at what other people are doing. I think, like I said, we've got so much information now at our fingertips. Yep. So just go learn. Kind of said a bit of myself, Tom. Thank you very much, sir. And are there any shout-outs or kudos that you'd like to give out on today's show? Yeah, love to shout out mum and dad for just supporting me. Oh. Uh, my brother James, my manager Ollie, and just all the Reach Desk team that I work with. You would generally like a Reach Desk family. Really appreciate the uh, yeah, just the time and effort they they put into me to yeah contribute to my success. Hashtag hell yeah, Tom. Love that dude. My drop. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and a massive shout out to all of our listeners and watchers today for joining us on Tom's episode and chapter. So as a reminder, you'll be able to find his LinkedIn uh, profile within the show notes. So feel free to reach out, connect, pick his brain or, you know, just give him a shout out for being on the today's show. And a request from my side is if you're listening to this on your podcast platform or in YouTube channel, please make sure that you give us a rating, a like and a subscribe or share this episode with somebody that you think could benefit from it as well. But Tom, uh, been an absolute pleasure having you on. I uh, would love to get you back on the show one day in the future. Uh, maybe get you and Ollie on the show at the same time. We could even think about that. That'd be an awesome uh, episode, I think. Yeah, it sounds great. But uh, to, to to yourself, I hope you have an, uh, an awesome week, uh, a future uh, ahead, which looks freaking amazing. Like, I feel it, dude. I feel it. <laughs> Thanks, uh, but have an amazing one. And most importantly, so happy selling. Thank you, Neil. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for listening to the SDR Disco Call podcast today. We would like to get this message out to more and more sales development reps, so please like, comment, and share in your local podcast provider. If you don't want to miss a show, you can always send a blank email to SDR Disco Call, one word, at bcast, which is B-C-A-S-T dot email, and you'll be added to our mailing list. We're also on the lookout for new guests, so if you work in the world of sales development as an SDR, BDR, MDR, or ADR, and feel that you have an important message or story to share, feel free to email us at podcast at happyselling.io, and we'd love to have you on board.